So hello and welcome to Locally Entertaining. I'm your host, Joanne Bailey Borsma, and today we have a very special guest with us, a New York Times and internationally best-selling author, Jennifer Jennifer Armentrop. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer is the easiest word. I know. Right? You got the last name though. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And chances, I just want to say, chances are you probably have read one of her books as she has 50 titles, all written in the last 10 years, covering an array of genres. Um, this is what really impressed me. You've done action, adventure, romances for both young adults and adults. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, welcome to Grand Rapids. Me. Have you ever been to Grand Rapids yes, before? Yes. Yes. I was in Grand Rapids, um, oh, probably 2016, I think. I was on book tour for The Problem with Forever, and I did it at Shuler's Books. Am I pronouncing the bookstore Yeah, Shuler's. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Because that'd be awkward. Um, yeah, it was, no awkward I'll than, be there tonight. No awkward, more yeah. awkward than saying Jennifer. That's a tricky name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, but I, we actually had to drive from Chicago. So I actually, I got to see a lot, you know, from Chicago to, to um, where they're located at. So that was kind of fun. That's cool. Now, are you not from Chicago, though? No, no. Um, I'm. I live in the Eastern Panhandle, West Virginia. Um, but for some reason, when they booked the tour, they just had the driver drive me to Grand Rapids and then back. Mm-hmm. So it was like about six hours total because i think it was like three hours up three hours down so well it's actually like like we always here in grand rapids we always say it takes like like three hours just to get in and out of chicago and it only takes an hour (laughs) to get there that is true (laughs) their driver and i became best friends on that trip yeah so so yeah so you are actually on tour for your latest release Mm -hmm. the burning shadow uh, which was released this month, actually, yes. from what I understand. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep. That's pretty exciting. Um, and the book is a sequel to The Darkest Hour, um, and it's an incredible story. It's, I, I had not actually read any of the, of the books, so this mm-hmm. was my first one in, in an introduction to oh. the actual <laughs> yeah, So I, what is going on. I, yeah, I was like, well, no, I, I, you know, I found it, even though it was a sequel, and I love this mm-hmm. when people do this, even though when it's a sequel book, um, you can catch on to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, about halfway through, I started kind of going back, trying to figure out some things, um, which made it fun. Um, but, yeah, it still was kind of – it's still, still that story in itself, which is great. I, I, it drives me crazy when people write a sequel, and you've got to read the last six books to understand mm-hmm. what the that book is about. Well, one thing I've always – my editors have always been really good with and I've always tried to do is, you know, because sometimes these books have like a year in between releases. So if you're anything like me, I don't even remember what I read two days ago, let alone <laughs> a year ago. And so we try to basically remind the readers organically in the very beginning of the book, like instead of doing like info dumps, even though it'd be very nice to be able to do like, you know how you watch like a TV show like Supernatural, for example, and it's like last week. Okay, I can't even follow Supernatural. It's a lot, but see, every, ep- every week they do a flashback to the previous mm. episode, and I'm like, man, too bad we can't do that in bo- books, like in the last book this Mm -hmm. this little synopsis Mm -hmm. um but we try to like organically work in just to remind readers of what happened Mm -hmm. so now this is actually it's it's a sequel Mm -hmm. but the entire series is actually a second series in this lux yes series i mean i was just curious what made you decide to go ahead and do a second series i mean did you feel like there was more to tell in the story well yes um when the lux series ended um it ended with, and I'm going to spoil it for everybody who hasn't read it, but it ended with um, 
the basically the world um, coming to learn that aliens were real. They've mm-hmm. been living among humans. They can look human. And once that series ended, I felt like that really opened the door for a lot of ways to take the series, especially because I feel like anytime as as people, when we see something we don't understand, it's like we just freak out and then Mm -hmm. make things worse. Um, So I really wanted to explore how humans would respond to knowing that, yeah, there's a lot of other things out there. Um, and, you know, and some of them have been living on Earth. So it, it kind of had I knew the door was always open, but I needed some time away from the series before I could go back into it. Because, you know, five books is, a, you know, five, I think it was really five and a half. Well, actually, it was more than that. But um, <laughs> like now I'm thinking about it. Um, but, it, it, you know, you need to, I felt like I needed a little break so that. I wouldn't be kind of repeating what I had already done in the series. Mm-hmm. Now, and how long was it between the first series and when you started to back up the second series? Do you re- hmm. It's like I want to do the awkward looking at my publicist sitting and <laughs> hidden in the corner. Um, I, it was, I think the last book maybe came out 2014, 2015. Um, And interestingly enough, in the series, four years has passed um, since the end of the Lux series and the start of the new series. And it was, it's close to being Mm -hmm. that amount of years. So it was was a quite a long break (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I I took from it. Mm -hmm. So now I, and I know I I referenced this earlier, you are a prolific writer. Mm -hmm. You've got 50 some titles Mm -hmm. in 10 years, which is just a lot <laughs> blows my mind just a lot I mean I can't even imagine I mean, me to write you know three stories in a week that maybe mm. about four or five hundred words yeah. I think it's pretty impressive so that's quite a bit I mean but where do all these characters and ideas come from you know it that is like one of the hardest questions to, to answer because I always feel like it's a letdown when people like ask you where do you get your inspiration because I feel like we get our inspiration from everything and nothing and it's and you know it, it's just you'll hear something um, sometimes you'll hear a commercial or a song or um, somebody will say something and then your mind just goes off on this whole tangent. I mean, sometimes you'll get like amazing ideas while taking a shower and like nothing provoked that idea. You're just, I find like the quiet moments is when you, you really start to think of different Mm-hmm. things and I mean there's been times where I've been traveling and I'll see like this is gonna sound dumb but I'll see like I'll see like different trees and then immediately be looking at the trees and think huh like you know and it's just something like and it, before you know it you have this idea that is not whatsoever related to the trees at the end of the day <laughs> but it's it's it, you kind of get it from everything and nothing um, and the characters, I mean, they kind of pop in. I mean, they just kind of, you, you have an idea of who your characters are going to be. But I feel like, at least for me, I don't even really know my characters until I'm writing their story. And then I start to, you know, see how they respond to certain things. That's amazing. So let's do, now, now that we've talked a little bit about the book, mm-hmm. but let's do a little bit of a backstory yeah. about Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer, tell us, where do you come from? I come from West Bagot, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in uh, the Eastern Panhandle, of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And this looks terrible, but you know how the state looks like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And yeah. I live in the very, very eastern panhandle. Um, we always joke, I live in the part of West Virginia that doesn't claim the rest of West Virginia, and they don't claim us either as West Virginians <laughs> um, because we are smack dab in the middle of Virginia and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's because when I have friends come visit me in West Virginia, I don't know what they're expecting, but it's not what they, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what they see. And I'm like, yes, I, I live in a part of West Virginia that's very much like Virginia, Maryland. Um, but then once you start to cr- cross west over the mountains, and then you get the more mm-hmm. rolling hills and, you know, these little tiny towns and things like that. But I grew up in West Virginia, and I've lived there, um, you know, my entire life. It's it's where I live at's a good location in the sense of being able to go to, like, D.C., Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, Northern Virginia. Um, I couldn't live in a city, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but, yeah, that's where I live. Mm-hmm. So, and it just, how did you get started into writing. I mean, how did you find mm-hmm. writing as your as your career and your passion? Um, I've always wanted to be a writer. I started off with writing really bad poetry. Um, and That's always uh, the way most writers I, start. I feel. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know, and the funny thing is, is I feel like most po- poetry is probably bad to the poets themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a reader who, who, was, who writes poems. And I was like, I think poems mean something different for everybody who reads them. But mine were actually very terrible. And not only were they terrible, I was writing them on my bedroom walls in permanent marker. Oh, I bet your mom was real happy. You know, they never really, I mean, I think they were like, you could be doing worse things. <laughs> like, I don't know. But they attempted to paint over the permanent marker several times, and it kept bleeding through the paint. And so I keep thinking about, like, when they finally sold that house, like, did it keep bleeding through this paint, like this haunted, horrible um, So, uh, yeah, so they, so I started that. And then um, in the ninth grade, I wrote my first book during algebra class. And during, uh, wait a minute, algebra class? Yes. And so apparently you, you, algebra just wasn't doing it for No, mm-hmm. no. And because of that, I had to take remedial math in college. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had, had to, like, I was, what, 18 years old doing, you know, three times three. I know that. Because <laughs> like, you have to start at the beginning when they mm. do remedial math. And um, so it was like, you know, lesson learned to pay attention in class. But mm-hmm. I wrote my first book then. But once I went to college, and everything with that, you get life gets in the way, and I wasn't really reading or writing as much. Um, it wasn't until about 2007 when I started to write again, and um, and mainly it was because um, I started dating my now husband, and he was working a lot of evening shifts because he's a police officer, and I was at home a lot in the evening and had really nothing really to do. Um, and so I was, I started writing again and it, it took a couple of years for me to kind of work up the nerve to go on submission because then it's real, you know, mm-hmm. you're no longer just writing to entertain yourself. Um, and so I, I always wanted to be a writer. So it's, you know, it wasn't something that I thought I would ever end up being. Okay. Um, so, so let me ask, I mean, when you went to college, what were you studying when you were in college? <laughs> something completely unrelated. Um, I went to college uh, originally psychology and sociology with a criminal justice um, track. I wanted to be, I always wanted to be a writer, but I always wanted to be, and this is going to be like two completely unrelated things, um, is I wanted to work in the behavioral science unit of the FBI. Um, I wanted to do uh, profiling. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so that's what most of my college courses were for um, until about, you know, I was probably a little over halfway through and realized that wouldn't be an option. 
Um, so then I just stuck with psychology and worked in the mental health field for a while and then left that. And then I was kind of working at other jobs because I, I, I realized that, you know, people who work as psychologists and psychiatrists, it's that's a hard job. It's, it's a very hard job. <laughs> and I, I realized that wasn't I didn't have the personality for it. Um, you know, I think I, I would say probably like the first um, year I worked there, I realized that I started to feel like I, I was I was I was depressed and wasn't realizing it. And, I, and what was happening is I was kind of seeing like, you know, I worked in a transitional facility where we were trying to transition, uh, you know, adults with severe mental illness back into to see if we can get them to live on their own or live in one of like kind of monitored homes. Um, and to see that, you know, this was it. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't, and with the type of disorders I worked with, there wasn't really getting better from this. Mm-hmm. Um, all we could attempt to do is maintain, um, but also seeing in some cases how the families just could, you know, they've kind of washed their hands mm-hmm. um, of their family members. And it was, you know, I realized that the job was starting to affect me on a personal level because I was like, you just saw that day in and day out. But in a way, it was also one of those wake up calls where, you know, not to sound cheesy, but it's like when, you know, when you think you have it bad, mm. oh no, <laughs> there is, there's always people who have it so much harder. Mm. Um, so I don't regret the experience. It was just a very hard one. But going back, and, and that's going back to the profiling, I mean, that must really help you develop your characters because they're very sound characters. I mean, when you read it, you're very enthralled with them. Um, I think so. You know, the funny thing is I always joke about, like, you know, all that finance, you know, uh, oh, college debt, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> for nothing. But in a way, I, I, I think it does help because I, I do – I think it does help you realize, like, how – because you do learn how the human mind works. And so it, it – up to, you know, to the best of any of our abilities. Um, and so you're able to take a, some of that training and experience and put that into the characters and the understanding that no matter what, everybody has a motivation for something or an mm-hmm. agenda, even that they may not know. And being able to be aware of that and how, using that to build a character, I do think, you know, not all that money was to waste mm-hmm. <laughs> completely. So and then I, I have to be honest, I mean, so you went from there into the publishing industry, which is not kind. No, no, at but all. you know, <laughs> profiling serial killers probably wouldn't have been kind either. So I feel like I was, I was extra experienced for it. <laughs> so, but I mean, how did how did you? Because you you had, I, from what I take, you had zero like connections or contacts into that yeah, world. You zero. just basically were blindly sending yeah oh and yeah and I did what every I think new author does is I go and find like the biggest agent in the industry at that time and send like a horrible quarry to (laughs) which at that time was Stephanie um Meyer Stephanie Mayer I always say her last name wrong Twilight um her agent Jody Reamer I think um and you know I got a form rejection from her assistant (laughs) but I sent I sent it and I hadn't even looked on really what you were supposed to do mm. and because I really I didn't because the industry is so different now than it was even 10 years ago I mean it's, it's vastly different and there wasn't a lot like a lot of authors really weren't online at that time like you would maybe see some websites and message boards they were really big but even then a lot of authors weren't that active on Twitter mm-hmm. on Facebook and so you're kind of just winging it but then luckily I found the website called quarrytracker.net 
So if anybody's listening who wants to be a writer, that is a website I always tell people to go to because not only does it have every single agent in the business um, listed there and who they represent and what genres, they also will help you write a query, do a synopsis. Um, they have forums where people will just go in and if you want to post, they'll give you feedback on this. And mm-hmm. and honestly, it was because of that website that I was able to finally figure out what I was doing. Um, but I still got over 150 some rejections <laughs> before mm-hmm. I landed my agent. But I actually um, had taken a two small press um, contracts. Um, without an agent before I, I, I got my agent. So I came in on a very non, what they call a non-traditional route mm-hmm. um, to publication. And then I then I was able to sign with my agent who rejected me earlier. <laughs> she does not remember this, but mm-hmm. because I keep all my rejections in my email, I like to periodically send the rejection back to her um, as a reminder. <laughs> That she did reject me mm. <laughs> on a different book, yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah. So it, yeah, so it's a, uh, it was a very non-traditional route, and I do believe even if you have connections, it's not, you know, you may be able to get the agent easier, or you may be able to get that publishing deal easier, but it's still hard. So even mm. the ones out there who know somebody, it's still going to be hard for them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's really cool is now you're you've turned around and you're actually helping young writers. Mm. Um, you've got a couple of different things that you do um, that I was reading about. Um, I was referring to the Write Your Way to mm-hmm. RFT, RT book. Yeah. Well, that's something that um, we've no longer been able to do because the conference was Romantic Times Conference and it actually had gone away. Mm-hmm. It um, kind of closed up shop. But it is something that I'm looking to bring back for a polycon. The conference that I own mm-hmm. um, is to do that. And Because honestly, like, you learn so much when you go to these conferences, especially ones that are writer focused, that when I did the one for RT, it's because, you know, these things are expensive. Registrations are like three to five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's just to be there. That doesn't count airfare, um, hotel. So, you know, th- that type of experience would have been invaluable for me as when I was starting out. So if I'm in a position to be able to do that for someone else, that's why I started doing it, because I knew that so many people, they can't get to places like that. Um, so we started doing like the little contest and it's sad that that, that conference kind of shut down. Um, but it's something we've been looking at doing possibly with RWA, which is Romance Writers of America, or doing it through a Polycon, which mm-hmm. is my event. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about Polycon. Mm-hmm. A Polycon is a, uh, it's in its, hmm seventh year maybe um it started off as a book signing for one of my 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 releases and i didn't want to do a signing by myself because signings by yourself suck (laughs) (laughs) why why do they because you never know it's you never know if anybody's going to show up it Mm. doesn't matter who you are what how good how bad you are you know you can have a million people you can have like three people and you're like hi Mm -hmm. um and so and so when there's other people there to share in your misery it's better Um, so, and, or at least you can share the yeah, same three people, right? right? And you don't feel so bad. You're like, hi. But then there's a flip side of that that you're like, oh man, I made this person like come out here and there's like nobody here. Um, but I, so we decided, um, uh, Damaris, who I don't think she's still book blog, blogging, but she was a book blogger. And we decided to have, um, I want to say like 
it was it was it, when I say my friends, it wasn't all my friends because it's, I don't think I know 30, 40 some authors that well <laughs> at that time. But I, I invited authors that I was friends with and authors I had met at some point and to sign with me in this event. And um, we held it in Philadelphia at one of the hotels and it was just a signing and it was a little after party that we did Greek themed that you could dress in costume. And that kind of started a polycon. And from that year till now, it's grown from a one signing, one day event to four days, um, three signings, panels, multiple parties, uh, publisher sponsors. So in that short of time, and what I did every year, especially when RT closed up shop, I, I wanted to make sure that there was also something in place there. I, I wanted to go to a convention, but what I did each year is I added to it in small ways instead of going from, you know, there's one little event mm -hmm. to trying to take on a four to five day event. And because, you know, that's very expensive. And so I also wanted to do it where it didn't cost authors a lot of money and it didn't cost readers a lot of money. So we had to kind of gradually expand mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that so that it was affordable for everybody. Oh, that's just awesome. It's just so cool that you just, it, it always amazes me that, you know, authors, it doesn't, it, like you said, it doesn't matter how well-known or how mm -hmm. famous you are. They're always still giving back and they're always still doing something for the writers and the mm -hmm. readers and, and, and doing and those amazing events. This is just really cool. Yeah, because it's it's hard. I mean, and one thing, like, and I think it's any job that you work from home, whether mm -hmm. it's writing and especially jobs that are creative, but mm -hmm. any job that you're kind of working from home most of the time, and even if you still have a an outside of the house nine to five job writing can be very solitary like mm -hmm. you're stuck in your head a lot of a lot of the times your family probably thinks you hate them because you're never really paying attention <laughs> to what they're saying um and it, so it, it's good to be able to have a place where authors can come together and kind of you know be amongst their tribe but also be able to meet readers and you know existing readers and to be exposed to new readers so mm -hmm. um it's good that and you know and i'm not the only event that does it there's like book bonanza um there's the the indie the bells i think the bells are still doing it um there's there's quite a bit um mm -hmm. and they're not all as large as say um a polycon and book bonanza but um there's many out there mm -hmm. so, that's so cool so tell me a little bit too i'm just curious how does your personal life and, and you, you mm -hmm. talk about your family and stuff but how does that relate back into your I mean you, you said earlier you kind of get something from everything mm -hmm. and nothing at the same time but how do your books does your do your books reflect any of your personal life um for the longest time I want to say not really um there was a one of my uh, kind of new adult adult contemporaries uh, be with me the this there's a secret in that book that was based on my family and it was so funny because I would I would see some people say to me that they didn't think it was believable and I'm like well <laughs> here to tell you it is <laughs> um, and so I did kind of pull directly from that um, and that was probably my first book that I ever really did pull something that that was kind of personal um, and then with Storm and Fury that just came out this past year in June, um, the main character in that book has the same uh, degenerate eye disease that I have, retinosis pigmentosa, but I think it's actually retinitis um, pigmentosa, but it's who can spell or pronounce it. Uh, we call <laughs> so it, with you, yeah, it's RP is the, the, the abbreviation, but um, 
she has the same um, eye disease that I have. And I wanted, I wanted to be able to kind of educate people on what it was like to have that disease and, but it not be the sole focus of the book. Um, and because, you know, it's not the sole focus of my life. I mean, it does make some things more difficult. Um, but so that was probably the book where, you know, most of me is in it in a character because I kind of had to really figure out like, how do I explain to people what it's like to have this? Cause I think for the general public, you know, there's the blind and then there's the seeing. And when you think of bad eyesight, you think of, oh, you wear glasses. But then there's a, there's actually mm -hmm. a varying many, many, many degrees mm -hmm. in between there. And um, like there's many eye diseases that like, for example, I'll wear glasses, but they actually don't fix that one of the, you know, the, some of the, the conditions that I have. Um, but I wanted to, but also too with, you know, what they would call like invisible disabilities where you look at somebody and you don't realize that, you know, they may have a health condition, they may have a physical condition, mm -hmm. and how we often kind of judge people, you know, based on what we think they can do. Um, and so I kind of wanted to pull back the veil a little bit on that and show people that, you know, just because somebody looks like they're able-bodied and can get around easily, that may not be the case. And, and one of the things that interestingly enough provoked that was, um, there, there were several times I had gone to the airport and I couldn't see like the the signs to like where I needed to go, and I would ask somebody, and I mean I could I can't even tell you how many times. There's always every so often there would be somebody who was like really helpful who just mm -hmm. didn't even bat an eyelash, but then there'd be somebody who'd be like the signs right there, and you'd be like yeah I know that, but I can't read it, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 you know and, and in a way too is like I kind of wanted to you know show people too that you know kindness is you know never mm -hmm. hurts you being helpful is never going to hurt you um so that was that was probably the character that i put the most of myself into wow that's amazing and it's 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 great too here again is a great example of how authors can educate people um mm -hmm. you know we deal with it with my my daughter and my mom and they mm -hmm. have an eye disease and a glaucoma mm -hmm. they both have my daughter's very young she's predetermined towards it and people don't understand you know that yeah it's it's kind of like there's like you said, there's the seeing and the not seeing, mm -hmm. but there's this whole, whole I learned this yeah. whole world yep. that's in between. And and it's just great to have that type of informative information out mm -hmm. there for people to understand, plus be able to enjoy it in a really good story that yeah. will kind of give them more. And then if they want to learn more, they can. Yeah. And so, and, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, I wanted to make sure that people were entertained at the same time, but mm -hmm. also too, had a character who does, does her vision affect her yes and you know in the sequel of that book that comes out next year you see a little bit more of that mm -hmm. um but at the same time she doesn't let that become her sole label mm -hmm. and um and for, and for me personally that's important so mm -hmm. so so the book the mm -hmm. burning shadow it's been oh, what a couple days a couple now. days yeah, <laughs> but i mean you, you have to have heard some reaction at this point to it yeah so yeah I mean people have been you know they've been really you know they've been excited to read it um this book has a lot of twists a lot of turns mm -hmm. um and you know there's some things that I know that people have been very very happy about um there is definitely more of the original characters from the Lux series in this one um I, I do say there's some reveals that are shocking and that's what i've been hearing a lot about and seeing some of the the posts as i've been traveling 
I've been getting tagged in some and, you know, their reactions to like these, some of these reveals have been, you know, funny for me to read, probably not for them. (laughs) 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 But for me, I'm like, hee hee. (laughs) So, so looking in a crystal ball, um, yeah, I, I've, I'm assuming you're probably going to write another one. Yeah. Um, it's actually written. It's actually written. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Publication oh. moves way far in advance. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of hurry up and wait. <laughs> so, but I mean, Crystal Ball, I mean, mm-hmm. anything that we should keep our eyes out for? Um, well, the sequel to Storm and Fury, which is my other series, comes out in June. Um, it's called Rage and Ruin. Um, and then the third book in this series uh, is going to come out. I think October of next year. Uh, this the title for that book is called The Brightest Night, um, and maybe there may be another book. Um, you know, I, I'm working on something that is brand new right now that I'm excited about. So hopefully there'll be news about that soon ish. Uh, soonish. Oh, the brand new. The brand new. Yeah. Oh, so you can't even give us a hint. Like, you know, is it the kind of the same or is it completely um, different? Something we'd never expected before. Well, it's it's something I've never written before, uh-huh. um, and I've written a lot. <laughs> so I mean, well, that's yeah. Uh, so it's something that I've actually never written before, but I've had this idea since like 2015, 2016, and there just hasn't been the right time. And I, I'm in a little like what I'm contracted for is not due until next year. So I actually have some, you know, it was like this. I could either take some time off, which we knew that was not going to happen. <laughs> and because I, I don't like to be idle. <laughs> like I, if, I don't, if I don't have to write, I'll like clean, rearrange the house. My husband comes home, the living room's like totally different. He's like, why do you keep doing this? Oh, I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, high yeah. five on that yeah, one. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't like to be idle. Like I know some people can just sit around. I've never been one of those people that can just sit and do mm-hmm. nothing. Um, so, um, um, but yeah, I, I hope uh, that there, there is, a, it, it's, it's turning out to be um, so far. I mean, I've been able to write about four chapters while on tour, which is extremely hard to do anything mm-hmm. while on tour because you're usually just way too tired. Yeah, because you basically, yeah. you were telling us earlier that you just, you, you just yeah, came just from one came, city and you're basically in a yeah, city every day. In a city every day and um and you know you get to like you forget which hotel rooms you're in like when you when you have to call down to the desk like what hotel room you're in you're like what hotel am i in (laughs) um yeah right i'm like let me go get my little car but then they know what room you're in you're like well is it so and so and i'm like why are you asking me (laughs) like you know what room i'm in um but yeah so hopefully we'll have some news and we actually might have some news ish on some of the possible tv movie front um, I mean, it's nothing I can share and go into detail. Oh, see, I would, that was going to be get, one of my questions. No, I would too. get y'all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but it, it, but there's been stuff happening this week, um, mm-hmm. which is so funny when you're on tour, and then of course things start going back and forth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, it is um, it's interesting to see that. Um, and and you know, I've I've had uh, you know a couple film and TV options, and you know, usually they all. I mean, they have like a one percent chance, if that, of ever yeah. coming to fruition, and. But it's funny, you kind of forget about them and or you forget that something's being considered and then out of nowhere you start getting information. So I'm hoping that there would be some positive stuff to be shared soon. Mm-hmm. That's well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. But like in a dream world, so let's just say maybe it's mm-hmm. going to become a movie or a TV series. I mean, who would you who would you like to see? Oh, 
Come on, we gotta ask. No, I, I have. <laughs> I have. Publicist is laughing. Yeah, over there, right. by the way. Well, <laughs> She's mainly because I have like no idea like who is really. I'm still stuck. Like I feel like in Sixteen Candles, Jake Ryan. Like, <laughs> um, no, I, I my answer for everything is always Theo James, but he's like way too old to be in some of these books, so <laughs> I don't care. I'll be fine with it. Um, I, yeah, I would just be happy to even get to that point where mm. casting is being considered. Um, and I just hope it's some, they cast somebody who can act, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like somebody who, who, and who also is excited about the role. Because sometimes I think you can tell when, same thing with an author writes a book, you can tell when they're excited mm. and you can tell when they're just, you know, they're just clocking in mm-hmm. and getting a paycheck basically. Well, speaking of movies, there's one little fun fact that I found out about you mm-hmm. that I just thought was I just thought was cool that you like, should I say, bad zombie movies? Oh yes, I love horrible sci-fi channel. <laughs> so. They're the best at the worst of everything. <laughs> so, so what's your favorite? What I mean, what's your oh, favorite God. movie? I mean, I will say I tried to watch um, that new zombie one with. The guy from Sharknado in Beverly Hills, 90210, Ian. Oh, my gosh. I met the director for Sharknado. Zaring. Yeah, Ian Zaring. I couldn't even watch. That was too bad. (laughs) I was like, nope, this is too much for me. Mm. Um, There there is – oh, my – I think there's one that's – I think it's literally called Zombie Apocalypse, and it's sci-fi because mm-hmm. they're creative like that. And uh, it had like Ving uh, Vin, Vin Rines, Rines in it, and um, they were like zombie tigers that escaped from the zoo. I mean, it was so terrible, but I was enthralled by the whole movie. <laughs> I could not turn away. But um, but you know, I, I feel like I feel like even like great zombie movies, probably some people consider bad. But I mean, I, some of my favorites, and these aren't bad ones, but I loved Sean of the Dead because mm. um, it's just so funny. Okay, because it's just it's just classic. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Mm. Shaun of the Dead, and <laughs> there, of course, Zombieland. I'm really excited to see the sequel mm. um, to that. But an interesting note about zombies is, as a child, I was scared to death of them because my mom. In her great wisdom, allowed us to watch horror movies when we were really, really small. And um, my dad would come home, and it always would be the worst scene of the worst movie on TV. Like one time he came in on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where he has like these kids in these convertible with this giant chainsaw. And we were like, we were like, my brother was probably like seven, I was five. And or maybe we're a little bit older than that. Um, but uh, she also allowed us to watch The Blob, the remake of that, mm-hmm. which terrified me for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was and then embarrassingly to admit when I was little, I watched I was young. I watched Tremors, which is the most hilariously stupid movie as an adult. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Scared me to death. I would not walk on dirt for days. Oh, my gosh. Same thing with yeah, me. I, was I like, couldn't. I couldn't. There yeah. are these things under and the there ground. There are still days there. where I and, can't. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't. where's so, Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but and then my dad would get so mad because he's like, why? Because, of course, you know, he is also dealing with me having, like, you know, screaming bloody murder in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. Um, but my mom let us watch Night of the Living Dead, like the, um, mm-hmm. and it, it was the old one, the old black and white one, which I think that's why now I still cannot watch black and white movies. Cause I feel like even with it in black and white, it was, it, cause it was originally in black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it was just even worse. Like it was so mm-hmm. eerie. And, um, those movies were filmed in Pennsylvania, and the areas that they were filmed at was very similar looking to the areas that we lived in. 
And I, it just terrified me, like the idea that, you know, dead people could start just coming out of graveyards. And because of that, I still would never live in eye distance of a graveyard. <laughs> like I still could not do it. And I only, and then, I mean, my fear of zombies, I think that continued into my teenage years. And the only way that I actually got over it was I kept forcing myself, I forced myself to start watching like, you know, the continuations like mm. Dawn of the Dead, Land of the Dead, until I kind of like desensitized myself to it, I guess. Um, but then I ended up loving zombie movies, but mm -hmm. my mom and her great viewing <laughs> choices. <laughs> so there was, and I know Will Smith made a remake and I cannot think of it right now, but it was, it's kind of like, it was that movie where it was the apocalypse and he was the last human and there were kind of those. Oh, Legend. Movie. Legend, but that was a remake actually. Yeah. I saw the original well, Black and White. I watched it up until that one scene and I've never watched it again. Oh, with the dog? Yeah. 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 I couldn't I don't get... care about people, apparently. Yeah, but the, but the dog, yeah. But animals, I'm like, that is it. You have crossed the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. And so. that's why with Walking Dead, with Daryl has a dog now that he named Dog, um, that every week I watch it because it's back. I'm just like, where's the dog? <laughs> I know you're going to do I just, I see it coming. Like, because how <laughs> can a barky dog survive the, the apocalypse so I'm just like you know mm -hmm. but it's so funny because when The Walking Dead first aired you know everyone was like if Daryl dies we riot mm -hmm. and now everyone's like if dog dies we riot mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's it, but I'm also I'm like it's The Walking Dead they're totally gonna kill this dog like it's gonna happen mm -hmm. so that's so cool and I understand you saw somebody in it oh yeah <laughs> So I am like one of the most unobservant people in terms of, and some of it is my vision. I'm just, or I, but also I think that's me just like a cop out. I just don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, there was this one time in uh, Richmond, Virginia, we were doing an event at the Jeffersonian, the Jefferson Hotel. It's kind of like this famous hotel in Richmond where a lot of celebrities stay at. And I was stepped into the elevator, and this is to show you how unobservant I am. There was this short guy, this really tall, beautiful blonde, and this big burly dude holding a little dog. So of course, I was like, dog, the whole way down the elevator. And the elevator doors open, and there were some friends waiting um, for me, and they're all looking at me like with this look of awe on their face. And I'm thinking, okay, I did maybe brush my teeth and my hair. I don't know what's going on here. And so I walk over, and they're like, do you know who you're using the elevator with? And I'm like, a dog. There was a little puppy. And I had rode the elevator down with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. And now I was like, oh, the really tall, good-looking woman makes sense. <laughs> like, uh, and it was, I guess it was his security guard who was, or his bodyguard was carrying his dog. And apparently it was his dog. Um, so that's how unobservant I am. But I was in the Atlanta airport. Well, there was another time I was in the Atlanta airport. And there, there was always, always actors in and out of the airport because they do so much filming there. And there was another time I was coming down the escalator into baggage claims. And they have kind of an area where they will keep people who are waiting to see, mm. I guess, a celebrity sighting. And I'm coming down the airport, the escalator, and there's just all these people standing there. And they just start going crazy. I mean, just screaming. And I am, I, I just know whoever it is is right behind me. Mm -hmm. I do not look behind me. <laughs> I, I, at this point, I'm just like, I don't even want to know who is there. Um, and I still, to this day, I don't know who is behind me. Um, but uh, on Friday, I was getting off the airplane and I was walking and we had, like, there was a lot of tr congestion. So we were kind of at a stop. And 
I look over to my left and we're about this close and I kind of do a double take and I hear him speak and I'm like, oh my God, there's Norman Reedus standing literally right there. He plays Daryl mm-hmm. and he had, you know, and it was funny because uh, he had his, his, I feel like he's known for this. He had like his little baseball hat on, he had a sunglasses, his little backpack you know, he kind of looked as disheveled as he does on the show. Um, and yeah, I that was the first time I feel like I've ever truly caught like that there was somebody there. And he and also I was very fascinated and I didn't say anything because I was I think I was just too surprised. Um, and I think he must have come to find out that he was heading up to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um had an appearance there uh, in New York City. Um, but what kind of surprised me is that he was only walking with um, a gate agent. It was just a normal gate agent. And and I was, because I was like, that is not a disguise. I hope he realizes that. Like, he's very, <laughs> you know, he's very noticeable by that. Um, but yeah, he was just out there with the gate agent. And, you know, for one of the most popular TV shows on, you know, on television, which I thought was kind of cool, too. Because I think that shows he's probably a really down-to-earth person. Yeah. Well, my sister, who lives in L.A., and she's worked for a couple mm-hmm. of different studios, but she said there's kind of like, you know, if you're an L.A. person and you've lived there long enough, there's kind of an unwritten rule that you just you just don't, you know, you might see him at a restaurant, mm-hmm. but you just don't. Yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of an unwritten rule there, and that you just kind of, like, act like, yeah, this is a normal person. Yeah, usually, like, hi. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever. So you know, kind of things. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard stories where you know, some celeb, you know, some movie stars, like they don't mind, I guess, if people come up to them, like, because I also feel like if you're at like a really public place, like it's kind of like, if, especially if you're like really noticeable, like. Mm. Come on, <laughs> like you mm-hmm. probably almost have to know what's going to happen. Someone's going to come up to you yeah. at that point. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, we have talked the gamut mm-hmm. uh, from books to to movies to zombies to <laughs> to and it's just amazing. But before before I let you go, I just kind of want to ask you one last question. I mean, so what are you hoping with this book? Is there anything in particular that you're hoping that the readers take away with it? Oh, um, I think with this book, one of the things I hope they take away from it is to show that like how far, you know, people will go for each other when, you know, when, you know, when they love each other, but also when they're being kind of compassionate human beings towards towards other human beings, even if they're not human and happen to be alien, Um, but also seeing probably the lens that people will go to protect one another. I think that would be a good thing to take away from it. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much thank for you being for here. Me. Um, again, I would like to thank our guest, Jennifer Armentrout. Jeez. <laughs> Can't win on either end, can I? I am sorry. You got Jennifer right. Yeah, I got Jennifer right. <laughs> Armentrout. Um, for coming in with us today. This has been Locally Entertaining, and I'm Joanne Bailey Borsma, your host. And get out there and read. Thank you.